You're listening to Hunk with Mike Bridenstine. Mike knows like so, like the biggest names in comedy. Dude, you gotta see this guy's fucking show list. He like has like the biggest names on uh, in comedy on his on his show. It's kind of unreal, Mike, how you do that. The best po- panel pod on the internet. And this is what the show's about, Nick. The, we have our finger on the pulse of America's uh, trends. Hi, everybody. Hey. This whole day can suck a thousand fucking dicks. Yeah, boy. Welcome to Hunk with Mike Bridenstine. From Muscatine to the Silver Street. Wait, it's a podcast? From Muscatine, Iowa to your AirPods? Here's Mike. I'm Mike Bridenstein. Shout out Rick Gonzalez. Shout out Bad Planet. Shout out to my unpaid announcer, Tony Tone Lokensoul. This week I wanted to do something slightly different. It was Labor Day weekend, but also I started reading Sean Bear Flannery's new book, Places I Can't Return To. So I wanted to talk to him. It's a memoir of his drunken tales. It was edited by show favorite Adam Burke. The foreword is by C.J. Sullivan, another favorite of the show. And it's one of the funniest books I've ever read. I think you're really going to enjoy this book. Sean is a legend in the Chicago stand-up scene. But for our purposes today, I also think he might be the world's greatest drunk. He actually got named the greatest drunk in Chicago in 2014 in the Chicago Reader. Which, fuck you, that's a drinking city. You can find it exclusively on SeanBearFlannery.com. I will put the spelling up so you can get all of the Seans and the Bears and the Flannerys in order. So without further ado, here is my conversation with my old pal, Sean. And if you don't already, when you're ready, when I've gotten you there and you trust me, please click follow, smash those stars, give me a five-star review. I have the oh, book thanks, buddy. right here. I am uh, I'm up to slammable dick caves. That's how far I got. <laughs> that involves our good friend Mike Burns. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that story is 100% only possible through him. <laughs> one of one of the oddest stories ever that we actually got to tell in person at the, at the Chicago uh, when I saw you in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, what has the feedback been so far on the book? I mean, the feedback's been great. I've been, you know, having a hard time breaking out of just like my existing circle of fans you know it doesn't right now it doesn't seem to be reaching new people which is you know kind of my whole goal with this so that's something i have to start working on and i probably have to get it on different platforms for that but that's not really the question you asked like the question you asked is the the feedback's been great and i think this is the kind of book that uh, i don't want to use like a phrase as pretentious as speaks to but it's it's the kind of book that makes people that don't always traditionally read books laugh you, you know uh, what i mean like, yes i do it's a very like conversational book yeah and it's a very easy read like each chapter is an independent story there's like almost no characters that you have to keep track of between chapters and so on it's a very very and it was meant to be that way it was yeah it was meant to almost read like a stand-up set it does it, i'm reading it in your voice like mm-hmm. as as I read it, I can picture you saying it. Some of the things I've actually heard you say. Is, yeah. Um. So how did it come? About, did it come about? Just to set this up, you have had a series or a handful or a couple 
one-man shows that have involved some of these stories. That is correct. That is, Almost that everything my, yeah. in the book. I mean, there's probably only, I, I think there's 27 chapters in the book, and I would say maybe five of them are stories I haven't told on stage. Oh, okay. Know, in some format. So the book is heavily drawn from my stand-up sets and the stories I told. Like, I used to have a one-man show called Never Been to Paris, which was about the last 10 times I nearly killed myself by accident. And this book is essentially that one-man show put into a book format. But it does also mix in. I had another show. I had two shows called, like, Drunk Science. And and then my, I still have a show called The Blackout Diaries, yes. where a lot of times we do, like, we break up stories and segments with, like, interesting facts on drinking or like science related, yes. you know, studies that have shown how much we spend drunk purchasing on the internet and, and so on and that kind of stuff. And I have a lot of excerpts like that in the book, but that also came from my stand-up act that I think that's kind of an interesting, I think it's really tough for an audience in book or uh, um, live format to listen to you, tell like a 17 minute long story with no breaks or anything like that, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. I, I think putting little asides like that, like, well, now I'm just going to talk about like the three most famous attempts to cure the hangover and, you know, cause they're all hilarious. And then I'll go back to the story or something like that. And I do that a lot in the book. Were they all written down or um, like, did you have them on file in places that you could just like throw it in? Or was it something you had to sit down and write? You mean like the excerpts? Yeah, yeah. Um, they were not written down, and that <laughs> that was a challenging part of the book. I don't know if you've noticed, in some of those excerpts, I use very almost distancing language where I once heard a study, and it's like, because some of these I never wrote down, but I, I know for a fact I've read this study. It's the most <laughs> flannery thing that could ever happen. And I can't, I like can't find it, but like, I know it's out there somewhere. <laughs> I like can outrun a became, flamingo. <laughs> if the book ever became actually huge, uh, either these studies would come out and I would be either vindicated or assailed that like this guy got nothing right. You know, he doesn't remember any of the facts of this study. Has um, anybody I, come out and at least said that they saw you go off the bridge? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm still good friends with uh, my passengers in that car. I mean, no, but no, just like on the on the way. Oh, to Oh, no, no one has ever. That would be the goal, man. That would be great. Um, yeah, that would be hilarious. Yeah. And one of the chapters I talk about how I drove a car off a bridge and I go down like kind of almost it's not really a mountain because it's Cleveland, Ohio, but it's like this like uh, viaduct hill that I slid down onto a separate highway. And I've always because <laughs> the car was very easy to remember with Chief Wahoo on the front. I've always wondered if. I always wondered if, like, later in life, somebody would, like, I was passing them on, like, the turnpike or something, and they're like, I'm going to give that guy a lot of room. <laughs> like, I thought <laughs> I saw that guy die 15 years ago. Yeah, well, that yeah. car didn't last that long, but yeah. There's two things with it. I, I've set this book down at least 10 times and said to Victoria, I don't know how he's alive. And then I'll repeat <laughs> something that happened. I can't figure out if it's the, you know, it's interesting. People, uh, go back and forth between between whether I have the best luck or the worst luck, you know, because on the one hand, I, I look at it as good luck that I always kind of land on my feet. But I do have like just yesterday, you know, our you buddy literally landed on your heel in one of these. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I saved my life. <laughs> um, 
like I was playing Frisbee with Declan yesterday. I meet up with them the other day and I had like a half hour earlier been attacked by wasps, you know, um, it just like <laughs> that kind of stuff just happens to me. I threw a Frisbee right into a wasp's nest. You know? <laughs> oh, I love I love that shit. Uh, so um, why do it in a book format? Versus any other, like you don't have a, a CD out or anything, or like an album, a no, standard album. So you um, wanted to do it, 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 it like is is a drinking kind of storybook, uh, something that you like enjoy reading, or d- why did you choose like this way to do it? Well, part of it was, uh, you know, I even before stand up, I always wrote stories down. That was one of the reasons why I I actually got into stand up is I would write letters to my buddies in college and they would like pass them around in their fraternities and so on. And I've always enjoyed writing. So and then when COVID happened and all my shows were canceled, I had really nothing to do creatively. Um, So I really just started like diving into the book and it wasn't so it wasn't necessarily like a career goal. It's just with something that always interests me. I do think there's also like one of the things I think is kind of weird about the internet. Like my book, each week I release a chapter for free online and I don't, you own the books. You probably haven't read the chapters on my website, but it, I try to make the website when you're reading the uh, chapters online. Well, I started to read, I started reading it online and I was like, I'm just going to buy the fucking book. What am I doing? Oh yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, But like I try to make it like there's no advertisements. It it the typeset looks a little bit like the book, and it's kind of crazy to me that there's like almost other than like McSweeney's, there's like I'm not aware of much written humor online. It's all videos. Yeah, and I do think there's a market for written humor. Of course, and no one's really kind of doing it online, and we, or if you do see it, like it's you almost can't read. I don't know if it's like I have ADHD or something like that, but a lot of like these humor blogs, there's just so much shit on the page and advertisements. It's like, like, is this, has this blog ended? Am I reading a new one? Like, I don't know where anything starts and stops. And so I I I do, I copy and paste the whole blog and I put it in a, and like a oh, into word. like notepad or something to get yeah. rid of all the format. And I just and all read that. it and I read it on there and I delete what I've read. It's like a, I'm probably the only person on earth that does that. I can't, I, you know, I do something page. similar. Sometimes I'll go like view HTML source and I'll just read it as because the HTML source, you can usually see the content pretty easily. Yeah. So I, I do something pretty similar, but I'm like, yeah, I can't make this is just like it's not an enjoyable way to consume it, you know? Right. Um, so like I did have that in mind. It wasn't my principal goal, but I was like, I think it'd be kind of f- cool to have funny long force form stories available for people to read online, essentially for free. And then they can buy the book if it's making them laugh hard enough. Yeah, I wanted to show, oh, I have this one also. I have Bert Kreischer has like a drinking oh, yeah. stories book. Yeah. I haven't read that. Um, it's, you yours is dumber. Like it's it's like because yeah. it's like younger also. I think, but yeah. but yours is also not not just like a crazy drinking stories book. It's almost the heart of it is almost a crazy job interview book. <laughs> it's a lot of job interviews in that story. An yeah, absurd no, that's absurd amount. Hundred percent. I mean. 
Dude, it was the 90s and like just the economy was booming. It was super easy to get a job in computers. So I would just do whatever the hell I wanted. And I'm like pretty good at like selling myself. So I would do whatever the hell I wanted at a job and I wouldn't care if I got fired. I would just yeah, that walk is all... across the street and start interviewing at a new place. That is almost it's like one of the most refreshing things like. You're kind of in this waltzing through life, like devil may care, like I'll get another job. Money is no object type. But you're not like a rich kid. Like you had no. s- five brothers and sisters, right? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. My dad would just see me putting on like a, a new, uh, you know, and it was, I always had weird jobs, you know, like um, it, I always think it's funny and... that like some of the worst jobs you wear the uniform of a different good job, like Lady Footlocker, you would dress like a referee, you know, like. <laughs> That's funny. Bur- Burger King, you're dressing like as a dr- jester, you know, and like I would always be wearing like weird, like Long John Silvers, you know, like you're a, like you're a sailor. Um, so I was always putting on weird uniforms, like where the hell are you working now, you know? That's <laughs> You come out of your room, you know, just wearing a sailor's outfit. He knows you're not an actual sailor. So, like, what seafood restaurant are you working at that you you're dressed you're, this way? You know you have a shitty job when your uniform is of the job of another middle-class job. Yeah, exactly. Like a job that you could make a living at, you know? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it is also funny to me that of all of the things that you've done in here, all of the, like, illegal, underage, like – parents would be like putting their like hand mm-hmm. in their like the only disclaimer that you have <laughs> which i'm guessing was an adam burke question <laughs> is yes i yes i know the cleveland indians are a racist name that is so <laughs> fucking funny to me it's such like a like we just took that for granted like it's like anybody reading that who's of in their like 30s or older like of course he's just yeah well, yeah, so it did come with Adam Burke, and, you know, my car is involved in, like, three of the stories. And my car, we were big in, at the time, Indians fans, now Guardians. First place in the Central right now, by the way. Um, How about it? Uh, we were huge fans. Jose Ramirez, so we, like, most underrated player in baseball. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, I mean, he's our whole lineup, but uh, don't get me started on their <laughs> impending collapse. But um, um, we painted, I drunkenly painted Chief Wahoo on the uh, hood of my vehicle. It was 1987 Chevy Cavalier, neither door open. We painted Go Tribal on the sides. And like a lot of the stories involve how this car looks like a, a shitty Cleveland General Lee, you know, like it's so decorated and that's important to the stories. And Adam was, as he was editing it, he was, he, he kept calling it like the now guardians or the, the previous racist mascot, Chief Wahoo. And I do, I mean, I've always thought Chief Wahoo was racist. Of I was course. one of the few Clevenders yeah. who I, I've always felt they should get rid of it. I think it's flabbergasting that it took so long. But anyhow, I didn't like addressing it every two sentences i just felt it it got in the way so i'm like why don't we just start the book with the disclaimer that this is a big part of the book and i think it's totally racist and i'm glad they changed it and then we're not going to address it again and it it's been addressed everyone knows how i feel and it doesn't interfere with the flow of the stories you know but i so that all logically makes sense all of it does Mm -hmm. but of all of the things 
<laughs> that could be addressed. Like, don't do this at home. That's the only one I kind of feel. Yeah, like the other stuff I feel no shame on. I don't, you know, uh, there's no. Adam Adam used to say this is the uh, least. What, what was his exact quote? But it was something like the least introspective autobiography I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like zero regrets, zero lessons learned. <laughs> I was trying to explain it to Victoria because I feel like out here, alcoholism, if you made it about cocaine and did it in LA, it would be like yeah. this, it would be like this like big hit. Mm-hmm. If you did it about booze out here, people would be like, whoa, buddy. So it's like kind of like the opposite. <laughs> yeah. I've seen people like people treated the Chicago comics when we moved out in like 07, 08, like a Mongol horde. Yeah. <laughs> like we were shocking to people yeah. <laughs> even people who had lived in LA for a while like John Roy were shocked by some of our behavior yeah I mean like the Midwest drinks they throw down <laughs> and um, people from like other parts like I always think it's funny I was like what are the reasons like you could I've been at parties like on both the coast where randomly not, not every party I've been at but randomly something will come up about like somebody getting a DUI on a bike and uh, someone at the party will like, everybody's like, I didn't know that was, a, there'll be like 10 people like, like, like coastal elites. Like, I didn't know you can do this. That possible? And then somebody from the Midwest will be hundred percent. You can get a DUI on a bike. hundred percent. I, I got a, I got three buddies. It's happened to like, like we're like these experts yes. that are dispersing DUI knowledge throughout the country. In fact, I feel like it's not just drinking, but that's the tip of the iceberg. I feel like, by just the mere circles that like Washington and New York and LA yeah. Hollywood people even run in, they are always the last to know what the rest of the country is actually like. That was why yeah. the, when people when Trump was running, they sent like reporters there, like they were cultural anthropologists to talk to people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're always at diners and so on. Yeah, they should like putting their bars. microphones in like people's yeah. faces. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like like uh, Jane Goodell, like a, you know, examining apes or something. Like hundred percent. I was like, this is the most yeah. offensive thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, exactly. On the news, like talking to an Iowan about like while they pump ranch under their pizza. Uh huh. <laughs> like this um, is not going to make them like you. But yes, yeah, so I was trying to explain the cultural differences. Like, it's almost like it gets it gets cold. It's a coping mechanism. It's it's a lot of things. It is. Uh, Irish, it is like Germanic, you know. Yeah. I mean, like it's you know a lot of European immigrants that drink heavily, you know. So it's um, more, it's it's not even tolerated. It's almost celebrated, dude. It's and it's like almost codified. And like, did you know in Wisconsin, um, you can first of all your first DUI offense in in, in Wisconsin is always a ticket unless you've killed somebody. <laughs> that's like like part of their it's it's not like quite part of their constitution, but like like that's a law they have where you cannot go to jail on your first DUI offense. <laughs> They'd be overrun. I mean, like you know, you're not gonna have that in other parts of the country. I went on, I, a, I went on a date one time, and the and I was like, "Are you sure you should be driving home?" Yeah. And she was like, I'm from Wisconsin and immediately got pulled over. <laughs> what city was this in? Los Angeles. Oh, really? Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. L.A., man, they they pull everyone. Over oh, yeah. They there. don't they don't play with that shit. Like, it's, can... and it's funny if you talk to somebody from Wisconsin who's lived in L.A. for a while, 
like 90% of their prep, like prepping you for LA is them telling you how serious drinking and driving is taken out there. Like, listen, and I, I just got to warn you, you know, I don't judge, but do not drink a drive out here. Like it is a different ball game. It is. And it is funny. Like how, like your stories, all of my, like I am riddled with Catholic guilt. I am, yeah. I am a, I'm a meaner, probably drunk than, than you are. Like, I absolutely know that I am. And okay. so, like, all of my stories, like, that are kind of cute or whatever, eventually involve me, like, telling somebody the truth, man, or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. quit drinking, like, six years ago, and I didn't do it because I was, like, crushing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, there's always, like, a happy medium to, like, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked at the lack of, like, sexual escapades in this i guess you meet your wife uh but like yeah to, at a bar. To, to so many people getting fucked up is like the hunt for a woman or something mm -hmm. and, yeah we cj and, and bryce used to always make fun of me for that that like you know like i was just out looking for free beer again <laughs> like, we always said like that would be the way you would like if you had to you know we did a podcast at the time called the visitor's locker room but the way you would kill the three of us like if like you know, if you had to assassinate all three of us is Bryce, you would say, oh, I'm like, there's a woman waiting for you at this bar. Flannery, you would say there's free beer there. You know, it's almost like the three little pigs. And CJ, you would say uh, there's a free poker game over there. But I was always just interested in having more drinks and laughing with everyone. Like, I've always been a happy drunk my whole life. You couldn't, like, accumulate these stories. I would have had to quit years ago if I was a mean drunk. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean... Like, another question I had was, a shocking amount of these happen in Ohio. Yes. So. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty crazy uh, in my youth. But um, I knew you in Chicago. You could have <laughs> voted best drunk in the city. Yeah, I know. That was me slowing down. <laughs> Do you see, have you compiled, Chica like, I know that there's. Like Yaxies is, is a Chicago story, um, a few of the other ones. But have you compiled or thought about uh, compiling more of these since then? Or you're just like, yeah, this is I the craziest did. shit. Like, so a lot was cut, you know, because lockdown was going. Adam Burke, my editor, gave me great writing advice where, I, you know, he was looking for something to do, you know, and he, you know, he used to work for, I think, like the Dallas Morning Star or something like that. When you know, I met him, he was a journalist at the Chicago Mag doing a story about stand-up comedy. Yeah. So, you know, he has that background. And I was like, you know, would you like to help me edit it? And he gave me this advice. I don't know if I shared this with you previously or not, but he's like, well, the reason this is going so slow for you. And because, you know, I had the idea of the book in my head. I knew the structure. I kind of knew which which stories were going to be chapters. And it, it was going slower than I anticipated and um, he's like, what you're he's like, I, I'm seeing what you're writing and what you're doing is you're you're trying to edit while you write. Like you're trying to write perfect sentences. You're trying to get the structure right between paragraphs while you write. Uh, so you're doing two jobs at the same time, both of which are very difficult. And he's like, what you need to do is quit editing. That'll be my job. They're like, don't worry if it's stupid. Don't worry if it's repetitive. Don't worry if it makes no sense. We'll come back to it. And we'll fix it. Yeah. But you're never going to make any headway if you're also trying to do my job while you do your job. So then I just started doing 
like kind of brain dumps. And, and this mm. book was <laughs> this book was actually like 700 pages because he just told me to do brain dumps. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. Know, so that's what I did. So there's a lot of stories that we had to cut, some of which are very, very funny. They're just I mean, I didn't really want the book to be more than 300 pages. It ended up being 340, I think. Um, so it was and that was after us trimming where like there's just like it just can't be this long. A comedy yeah. book can't be any longer than it is. Well, it's big um, font, though, too. It is a big font, but I, I think if you had a smaller font, it'd still be like around 270, which is what I want. I wanted 270 right, right, to right. 300 tops, you know. Um, so we cut a lot and there's like a lot of stories at different Chicago bars that uh, like one of them was like uh, like there's a like uh, we cut a chapter from Galway Bay. We cut a chapter from Tunes uh, that used Tunes. to be your favorite bar, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I drank there during a power outage uh, once. And um, yeah, no, I haven't. That is a good idea. I haven't um, accumulate. Like I haven't. So I actually, I'm not sure what all the bars are that are listed in the book that are in Chicago. But I know. Yeah, the high majority tops is of listed. it. High tops is still coming. I know that to- long, yeah, long room down. is mentioned in the. Oh yeah, in the forward. I was actually yeah. just there last night, so that's a place I can return to. But I yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that was um, yeah, that was CJ in the forward. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, but most of the stories take place. Uh, in Ohio. Be- well, and then half of the story, not half the story, about a third of the stories are about my jobs. About a third of the stories are drinking stories. And uh, the other third are kind of like about either my fan, like my current family and kid, like my wife and three kids or growing up. So that makes a lot of the book take place in Ohio. Right. You were mentioning editing. I'm currently in the process. They told I had a hundred and twenty three thousand word book that okay. I think that you saw a copy. How of, many pages is that? Depending on, I don't know, but they, the place that I, that wanted it or like 75,000 max. So that's 40. Wow. I had to get rid of 40% of it. Wow. I mean, but that's what I did too. Yeah. You know, if I don't, you know, and the so book, like your, book your portrayal, you didn't like your portrayal in my book. All oh, that's gone. <laughs> so rest assured. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, the first half of editing is real. Or I shouldn't not like there are certain cuts that just make total sense. Like, OK, that was easy to get rid of. That was easy to get rid of. That was easy to get rid of. But, yeah, when you that last like it's it's kind of like a diet, like anyone can lose yeah, like yeah, the first yeah. 10 pounds and yeah, so on. Yeah, yeah. But when you're trying to get like those last few pounds, it's really, really hard. You know, I was I told Jordan vote Roberts, our friend who's a director. Mm-hmm. I was like, now I get like like you know like the deleted scenes people are like we had to get rid of this to make it a three-hour yeah. movie but yeah you got to see it in the dvd extras and he just texted me back kill your babies yeah. <laughs> like it's hard it's hard to do but like there's some stuff where it's like you ab- i absolutely need this and then like you've written all this shit and it's like i can't put this whole- yeah or you know we cut a lot of stuff that i absolutely loved that it was just you know it there was no flaws with it but there was something else that kind of made the same point that was just a little yeah, bit better. Yeah, 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 so it's like, yeah. well, why why do a second story on this? You know, and then there were a couple ones that we cut where it's like, this one just makes me look crazy. There was like one or two where it's like, <laughs> like, like I just like, they're not gonna like me if if we do That's this one. Fun. Yeah, you have to maintain likability, even though you're not that reliable of a narrator. Like, I mean that in the best yeah. way possible. You always kind of yeah. like, you keep the reader on their toes to be like, what? Cause like, yeah, CJ sets it up. He's like, it's, it's more true than you think. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember, who, I forget who said it to me. They were like, do you think he really wore a shirt and tie to try to get beer in high school? And I was like, absolutely, yes, I do think that he Oh, yeah, that. that one we 100% did, yeah. <laughs> well, and I had I worked at Kenny Shoe, so I had to wear a shirt and tie to work anyways. Like, that was just my work uniform. But if somebody would have told me, do you know, I knew this guy who brought a briefcase in and take business calls, I'd be like, you're full of shit. But that also... <laughs> Did happen. <laughs> We're sneaking beers in briefcases. Do you have uh, a favorite story that, uh, or do you feel like there's been one that has resonated with people? Or well, let me start with: Do you have a? Is there like one overall that's like your you think is like your favorite story? In I have book? a favorite. I have. There's probably two in the book that are my favorites, and then there's been a third one that I would say so far has resonated the most. Okay with readers um do you want me to start with my favorite yes absolutely yeah all right so my favorite one just because i think the story is super super funny and it it, you know i reached out to all my high school buddies and was like sort of asking them like hey could you retell this story like just to see if their memories matched mine you know and going back to your point about unreliable narrator it's hilarious because every retelling is totally different than the other one and the only commonality is when like let's say like i asked tice like tice how do you remember that he's like oh you were a mess castner was a mess i was the only one who was even modestly in control then you go to castner castner what do you remember tyson was a mess you were a mess i was the only one who was modestly in control so everyone (laughs) thinks that they were the person that was like kind of behaving themselves in each story you know but then you would talk to the other person like no he tim doesn't know what he's talking about you know um but my my favorite one is probably uh, Niagara Falls or Ripley's Believe Lib- It or River, Not yeah, Museum. The only one with the, the editor's note, the first one with the editor's yeah, note. Yeah, and that, that's the, that was also, I also have just such a fond memory of Burke. Like, I think Burke almost quit over that chapter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because the chapter is, like, I, the actual Ripley's Believe It or Not, the destination is not even in it for two sentences. And it's the longest chapter in the book. I think it's 27 pages. And it's basically all about, a, like, a, a six-year history of us trying to get fake IDs from the age of, like, se- well, four years, from 17 to, to 21. Yeah, and just all yeah. the different, like, we threw everything against the wall to try and get a fake ID, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh he was like, he's like, we got to cut this into two chapters. We got to like, you got to get to Ripley or you Ripley shouldn't even be the title. It should be a different destination. So yeah, I was like, I think, and he was just, it was so funny the way he was complaining about it that I was like, we should put an editor's note in <laughs> just so like you can, you can get your two cents in. Cause this is like a hilarious conversation. It is. Yeah. I think that that's a funny aspect of it. It made me kind of like, wish that he had chimed in with frustrated notes like before just because that's like a funny character to have oh yeah yeah i i kind of wish if we had more time that would have been funny to do you know um because he did have so many funny notes like that um i also like and perhaps the other reason why this is i have a hard time debating which is my favorite one is and they're but they're both for me highly nostalgic stories is uh Cleveland Municipal Stadium. Yeah. I loved writing just because I loved the, uh, you know, I have an insert on Nickel Beer Night. Yes. And then I have an insert on like um, famous drunk riots yeah. Uh, yeah, that yeah. I found really funny. So, and then I just like the whole <clears throat> dog pound beer story that it ends with always cracked me up just like that, you know, cash grab attempt to do a <laughs> Cleveland Browns beer. You know? 
Um, so I loved that one. But the, the one that's resonated the most with readers is, uh, and I actually, you were one of the many people in this boat that have contacted me about this is the McDonald's uh, chapter is the one that's resonated most with readers. I don't know why, but because you've bolded the word shit when the kid says it, <laughs> both, I've read it twice now yeah. and both time it just sends me into a fucking giggle fit and i don't have kids or anything like i but that is exactly how kids are like in, in like kids wait until there you are in the most publicly viewed situation for them to debut a new swear word and you have no idea they even know what it means and then they'll just go frank just took a shit in there and you're like what like what? <laughs> and then they'll define it because they think you don't know what it means they're like shit it means uh you know defecate mom and uh, feces, you might know it as. And you're like, I, you know, but um, yeah, that was the story where my my nephew <laughs> took a shit in the top of a place center in McDonald's. It's me and made my brother me howl had to clean it laughing twice. Yeah. It's I don't know if that speaks to my own immaturity or what, but like I really there's so many things going on. That well, kids makes, are hilarious. Like and like that's kind of the point of that chapter is kids are funny and they party like we had a barbecue yesterday and <laughs> for labor day he goes i don't feel good or whatever he's i feel funny and he like yeah. turns and throws up that yeah. you your parallel between drunks and kids is so yeah. fucking good yeah yeah exactly man they, they neither have any self-control they have no forewarning that they're about to throw up and then they have zero guilt after they do it <laughs> <laughs> like okay well where's the bouncy house you know they've just thrown up all over the living room rug the the other one that made me cry laughing and i even acted it out for victoria yesterday <laughs> because just picturing it is so absurd <laughs> it's you going how smart is this at like linen and oh, the battery one <laughs> You oh, holding, linen and things. You holding yeah. your socks up <laughs> to the yeah. person, thinking that you were wearing mismatched socks. Okay, so sh- sh- to set it up, the person I, maybe I should send it over to you. But the person is yeah, like, "Go ahead." Is like, "Are you sure?" I was interviewing to be here? a cashier, yeah. Yeah. Hol- a seasonal holiday cashier at Lennon's and things, <laughs> and they were worried like I wasn't gonna like show up or something if I got hired because I, I was in college at the time. And I think he maybe had negative experiences where people get busy at college and I don't know, whatever. So he's like, and he sees that I'm a philosophy major. He's like, philosophy major? Nah, I think you might be too smart for this job, you know? And I don't know, for some reason I had it in my head. And I I always interview hungover, so that's probably why I make like some of these mistakes because I have a big big theory that you should interview the way you're going to work the job. (laughs) So stupid. Which, so I always go hungover. So stupid. So I, that I, line killed me. What? That you should w- interview the way you're going to work hungover. <laughs> I'm a big believer in that because I want, you know, I want them, you know, I want to know, like, I don't want to misrepresent myself, you know, where you're, you know, I, I always say, like, I'm going to give you the Sean Flannery that you're going to find after a three day weekend, <laughs> Monday morning, like lots of, whoa, I need a minute on that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I got to. I don't know. I guess in my hungover mind, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta reassure this guy that I'm not too smart for this job. And I look down, and I'm colorblind, and I would often wear like mismatched shoes and socks. And I, I think I, I pull up like I don't like I do like a yoga pose where I show him 
<laughs> my ankles and it's like two separate socks. And I go, well, how smart does this look? <laughs> Which I don't think I even n- realized at the time how insane that looked. <laughs> you know, probably. <laughs> and then I, when I got home, I realized I was wearing the same colored socks. So it, it looked like pure insanity. <laughs> like <there> were... <laughs> so it's just you going, check out this move. How smart is this? <laughs> yeah, and then I guess he's like, well, he's. If nothing else, mentally unstable, which I guess made me linens and things material, and I did get that job. So I mean, even more context. He's ar- Sean has already set up that he's worn different shoes <laughs> while he's saying mm-hmm. I'm not a details guy in interviews. <laughs> he's already set up that he's colorblind. He's like ruined weddings. Uh, so yeah, this that that was really well built and done, and it really oh, made you. me made me laugh. Like that's what I'm saying. Like. The consequences are the like the worst things that happen to you is like <laughs> you don't get the job. You don't get the job. Yeah. So, I mean, what's it matter? Like that's why it's like so easy to interview if you can go in with that like kind of carelessness. I know not everybody can do that, you know. Um, and especially like low stakes jobs like that, I was just like, fuck it, you know. I'll just say whatever I want, and <laughs> you know, Bed Bath and Beyond is hiring. <laughs> Do you think that um do you think that any of do you have like um plans to do any sort of scripts or kind of build any of these out cuz there's one I think is a movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. One chapter or Yeah. Which chapter? Janet's boss's house. Oh yeah, where I bring my back. Yeah. <laughs> that could be. That is yeah. one of the like it's almost like the most moving parts. Because oh, it definitely is. Yeah, you've got Huey Lewis in the news. You got Huey Lewis in the news. You got Bob Doppel. Bob Doppel. Oh, you want to hear a funny story, dude? Yeah. So Bob Doppel is not the real name in that not. actual yeah. story. Um, and when I was on, com- I told that story on Comedy Central, and this is not happening. And the lawyers are like, "Is and I said the real name in my audition." Yeah. And they're like. Okay, is that the real name of this dude whose identity you stole at the party? And I'm like, yes, it is. And like, all right, well, you can't use the real name. And I'm like, all right. And I worked with Bob Doppel, and he worked. I just always loved that name. It was like such an American fake ID name, Bob Doppel. So he he, but he was at my company. We didn't really work together. So like, I send him an email. I'm like, you know, I work in software engineering. You don't know me, but I've I've always loved your name, and I'm also a stand up comic, and I'm gonna be on Comedy Central. Could I use your name? He's like, oh, yeah, I love it. You know, he's a really cool guy. Guess what, dude? Last year I got transferred and he's now one of my bosses. <laughs> so I work for Bob Doppel now. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a 100% true story. Do you I mean, know he's what above happened me on the, the org chart. He's like two levels above me on the org chart. Do you know what happened to the actual guy in New Jersey? No idea. I could if I got out the old PowerPoint presentation where I have a photo of it, uh, Oh, no, I do remember the name. I remember the name now. Uh, I don't know. I should Google it. I mean, he's probably retired because that story happened. And he was an older dude who didn't want to party. And that story happened like almost 30 years ago. So the statute of limitations is probably. Yeah, that's true. I can say whatever the fuck I want. About that guy. The real name was Ed Mitson. Is that which right? Which is also a great name. Yeah, Ed Mitson, which is also a great name. Because that was why, like, when Comedy Central wanted me to change the name, I'm like, oh, man, but Ed Mitson's such a great name. You know, like, that's Can't it's a great Bob Doppel. But Bob Doppel's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> such a great alliteration. Yeah, Bob Doppel. He worked on this uh, 
team, he did software development for this team out of Detroit, and they only worked on like Ford engine kind of things. And everyone on his team had like a great American business name. You know, it was it was uh, so funny. But um, yeah, that story does have a lot of moving parts. And we got my buddy in the car wreck, and we're in the hospital, and lots of locations there. Yeah, it's it's um, if you. <laughs> I mean, you get Huey Lewis in the news to sign on. You get, uh, get, you get them. Ashton Kutcher to play you. It's it's all there. <laughs> like, I really feel like that could make like a great little like ninety minute comedy. Oh yeah. All right. Maybe I'll write it into a script then. It's all there. It's all there. I did write long time ago. I wrote "Never Been to Paris" as like a thirty minute pilot. Yeah. But I don't know. Somewhere on my computer. <laughs> I lo- and by the way, I love the um, historical and scientific asides. Uh, like, and that was like oh, an aspect you. that that um, I want to say I saw you do this at Comedy Bar like five years ago. Yes, you did. Yes, at, at the show at the time was called Drunk Science, Is that and what it was, was about the okay. science. Yeah, it was about the science of what happens to your brain when you become drunk like and which i find fascinating like it it's it's kind of crazy how much our brain changes when we become drunk like the um the part of our brain like the frontal lobe is kind of like what makes us intelligent it, it's sort of what makes us uh like be able to predict future consequences it, it's what houses what we call theory of mind me knowing that you know i'm talking to somebody who has their own subconscious and self-conscious and you know, you have feelings and so on, and I can understand how you're reacting to what I'm saying. And that, like, is all the first thing that's slowed down by alcohol. <laughs> so, like, it just, it's like turning us, it's like basically handing the the control center over to almost like more of like the primordial part of our brain that is just, it's interesting. I never believed in Freud and like the id and the ego and all that until I started researching uh, that uh, show and I was like wow this is like kind of crazy how like just like the different moronic parts of the brain almost kind of take over when you're drunk you know did you which is why like some people do become like totally different people I feel like I did I would say you were totally different but you were, you were definitely different you know <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't like Jesus did you hear what he did and like Brido did that you know it wasn't yeah, like yeah, yeah, you know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, what happened? What is your definition of a blackout? By the way, speaking of science, I was well. For I ahead. mean, for me, you just don't have a memory of it. You know, um, like you were at a bar and you wake up, you know, in a bed and you have no recollection. Yeah, yeah. Of how you got there, or if you have major chunks that seem to be missing. You know, maybe you'll remember being in a cab or something, but you don't know how you got in it. When you're in the blackout, do you feel like you know you're in the blackout? If somebody goes, hey, Sean, are you blacked out right now? Me? No, I know for a fact I don't. I always think I'm fine. (laughs) um, (laughs) I have total confidence. I mean, once in a blue moon, I mean, if I get really fucked up, I'll know I'm fucked up and I'll just get home and I'll be like, I can't be out anymore. Um, But I never knew back when it was happening. I I also don't drink nearly that hard anymore, you know? Well, you know, I never got, like, hangovers in my youth. Uh, like, hangovers really didn't start bothering me till about 40. That's why, uh, I, that's why I quit. It was Everything was yeah. so hard. Yeah. And even – it's only been – like, I turned 45 last year, and it was a big game changer for me hangover-wise. Like, now I, like, I just feel so sore the next day. 
Like, you know, kind of everything hurts. I mean, you can wake up at 40 and just hurt everywhere from sleeping weird. <laughs> yeah, but I will, like, it, I usually am, like, I usually feel pretty good uh, unless I'm, like, you know, I don't know, just the hangovers have been different, so I, it's really changed my drinking. <laughs> uh, did I don't know if I asked this uh, correctly or not, If but, or if I, if you said it, I apologize, but I wanted to know, did you have a model in mind for a book of drinking stories? Like, does that exist as a genre that you uh, have an appreciation for? Or this was all, like, completely... I didn't have anything in mind, no. Okay. Um, I would probably like something like that, even though I haven't really had any experience reading it. Um, I've always thought, like, that would... If this became successful, like... Uh, I forget who it was. I think it was maybe Bronger who, like, was always encouraging me to do this. But, mm. you know, he always thought like a real quick project you could slap together as a, you know, I host a show called the blackout diaries yes. where people tell true drinking stories. And over the years I've seen so many just like, you know, knee buckling, hilarious drinking stories, like putting those together in a book, you know, where you, you know, you contact those storytellers that told really, really funny ones. And you're like, Oh, I'd like to do a book where an your story is going to be a chapter. Yeah. yeah an anthology. I, I think that would be really, really <clears throat> funny. But no, I didn't really have anything like that in mind. How about for the one man show? Because to my knowledge, out of all of us, like I mean, of course, Kumail did like a thing. But did was there anybody else who was doing like one man shows about like a topic like that you've done? I don't think so. Um, you know, and even when I did my one person shows, I tried. I sometimes don't even like the term one person shows, you know, well, a theme. I don't know what else to call it. I guess. No, no, no. I'm not saying you did. But like I try like I think like the traditional one person, even comedy show can be very self-indulgent, you know, and yeah. who is it? John Roy once said, like, he's like every one person show I've ever seen ends with the same line. He goes like, and that's me so far. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as never, we've like, established, like, you hate introspection. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't and I've always liked that my one man shows were like basically just a night at a comedy club. So like half the audience uh, had no idea they were showing up for a one person show. And that actually I find can be very artistic. Like that can be great. Uh, like an inspiration is not the right word, but that can be like a great re like like challenge that makes your show much, much better because like yeah. you cannot start slow in front of an audience that's there expecting stand up comedy. You cannot be like overly indulgent. Uh, you can't be too elaborate. And it forces you to make everything really, really punchy, which is what I wanted anyways. Have you seen Assume the Position, the Robert Wool special? Uh, no, I always liked Robert Wall. Robert Wall did one where he walks into a history lecture and okay. just does his one person show, which is about like history and stuff. Oh, really? And so huh. like that would be a great model for for you to ever like film. I don't know, like legally, but like I think that when you would do those like science based ones or something like that, like. As I mean, like a, not a as a I was going to say TED talk and I stopped myself because it's become like such a weird comedy cliche and insult mm -hmm. in a weird way but yeah. because that's exactly not what you're doing. But as a if you check out Robert Wool's Assume the Position, I think it's like a great model for like what you could okay. to do with it. 
Yeah, it's Sean Flannery. Please click follow. If you enjoy this podcast at all, I would love it if you would take a second to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. That apparently helps me. And Lord knows I need help. There's still more show, but if you want to see video of this interview, if you want to see the sausage get made, and you want to see the panels, every panel since March of 2020, that is on the show's Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Brido. B-R-I-D-O. It's like my last name, but shortened. Somebody else doubled their pledge this week, by the way. That's three in two weeks. Doubling what they're giving me on Patreon. Jesus Christ. Thank you. And thank you to all the patrons. You keep the show going. I fucking love you. No matter what you're paying. But if you just doubled it, Ben Wonders, I fucking love you. If you want even more of me, I'm probably on Power Moves with Mike Burns this week. You can see me every Wednesday at the Fable on Eagle Rock for Microdose. Mike and Stacey Holmes are making award-winning burgers. Not this week. I think they're out of town. But they're there the rest of the time kicking ass at cheeseburgers. And now every Friday I'm at the Glendale Room at a show called Flagship. That's an 8 p.m. show. I am putting out quality programming for you kids. All right, we'll be right back to the show after a brief word from our sponsors. What is the best way to handle the streaming wars? Judge all the content against each other. The Buffer Battle Podcast does just that. Joel and Tony are former radio co-hosts who pit two relevant pieces of content against each other every week to determine the winner of the week. From documentaries to dumb sitcoms, these two will help you decide who wins. And at the end of each month, they throw it all into a no-holds-bars cage match to see who wins the month. Often joined by special guests, including your boy Brido, to help decide the winners, tournament style. These guys have fun making fun of themselves and keep their passions for film and TV alive during this podcast. Tony's a film nerd, Joel is a music geek, and they aren't shy about their opinions. Listen to the Buffer Battle podcast anywhere you download your podcast. I'm Mike Bridenstein, and I have listened to None Taken. The ad we've been doing for like two years on Brido's show, it's all based on an inside joke on our show, but it's for listeners that haven't listened to our show yet. So the joke is we always start our show with, you know, somebody as a guest, and yeah, and I've never listened to None Taken. And... And They're so, not going to get that. No, they've never got that. What an annoying <laughs> commercial. What a waste of time. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Neither of us did. <laughs> and then the whole thing ends with these guys fuck, which was like something I said once at the end of a recording, like spastically, like impulsively. Oh, you're not supposed to say I still think that's anymore. funny. All I right. like it when the girl says it. I, I, uh, hi, Victoria. This is the best. This is welcome to none taken. This is what none taken is like. <laughs> Wait, did we just do an ad? Is that what you're telling me? I, I think that's what I'm going to send him, and who knows? I mean, he's played that for the last two years. Why wouldn't he play this? This is more like what our show is. Thank you, Dustin and Alan. Those guys fuck. Thank you, Dusty and Allie. Those guys. They're probably fucking. Now, here's the thrilling conclusion of my conversation with Sean Bear Flannery. It's like removing the governor on a car. It's just, yeah. it's just gone. Yeah. So, um, of all of your friends from home or from college, are you the are you the person with the best drinking stories, or how would you rank yourself in that group? Yeah, I probably am. Um, 
just because I mean, I was always down to drink and party. And my buddy Tyson, who's like been like my best friend since grade school, who's in the book a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's probably mentioned most. I don't really use a lot of names, but he has some really good ones, too. And he you and him and Matt, you probably wouldn't remember. But he lived in Chicago when I started stand up. Okay. So he came to like every single show like he knows all of you guys. Oh, OK. Um, He lives in San Diego, <clears throat> but um, he has some really he has some really good ones. He was the one that took us to that old mall to get fake IDs. Uh, the Wyoming story where we go in like <laughs> the fact we, we that heard- that existed. The, uh, tell the story. I, it's just yeah. it's just like insane that this even did they have something like that in iowa do you do you know if you're from a very small town though in iowa though eh, like 25 no that's mike holmes he's which is a bigger town than i'm from but uh mine's like 25 25 so not that big Uh, that's not super duper small though but um yes so we had heard this rumor that it like this like quasi like half abandoned mall that there was a t-shirt place that also made like plaques and fake IDs. Like you could ask them for fake IDs and they would like take you to a back room where you could get fake IDs. So we go to like, there's like five t-shirt places. Cause it's just a failed mall. You know, it's like just like all weird, you know, shops, tobacco shops and t-shirt places. And we go in there and like, Hey, can you do fake IDs? He's like, absolutely not. Cops would shut me down. And I go, okay. We start leaving. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I guess that was like him waiting to see like if we were part of a sting. He's like, what I can do is I can make, he kept calling them memories. I can make memories. And, and the way he explained fake IDs that in his mind somehow wasn't illegal is that he would just make like a Wisconsin or a, a Maryland license. And then somewhere on the back in ultra small print, it would say something like, uh, this is not for driving and just for posterity purposes or, or something, something like that, you know? And he's like, so it's like a tourist memory. And we're like, okay, great. We'll get uh, five Ohio memories. He's that like, ought, well, that, ought to make Ohio. It, that ought to make it legal. <laughs> yeah. That ought to make it legal. He wouldn't do Ohio. So we're like, okay, what state are we going to get? And I'm thinking like, well, we should get Indiana or Michigan or a neighboring state. And uh, he's like, gentlemen, may I promote, may I propose Wyoming? Because in at the time, this was like 1998, Wyoming still did not have um, did not have um, what are those called holograms? Uh, holograms. Yeah. They didn't have holograms on the license. And he's like, so this memory from Wyoming will be indistinguishable from an actual Wyoming license. You know, if you were to, and then he kept speaking like he kept speaking like <laughs> as though he was a lawyer. In case you were showing your memories to somebody who might be looking at memories from many different states, like to gain entry into an establishment of some sort. (laughs) It's insane that this existed. Yeah. So mine, like, I found a Vietnamese girl's ID on on the ground in a parking structure one time. Okay. And I showed it to a bouncer when I was underage and he laughed so hard that he let me in. <laughs> so I kept this ruse going for a while <laughs> until somebody was just like, absolutely fucking not. Did but they if, keep it too? Yeah. But if you, but I, it worked for the longest time. I would show this Vietnamese girl's ID and somebody would be like, <laughs> and then like, let me in. That's awesome. The best one ever 
I was walking back from the Lincoln Lodge to my apartment, which is down Irving Park in mm-hmm. from North Center to like Lakeview. And we went into Sylvie's, I want to say. Okay. And we wanted to keep drinking, and this place was on the way, so perfect. Mm-hmm. And Mike Holmes had lost his wallet and didn't have an ID. And so the bouncer goes, ID? And I was going to uh, create this elaborate story for, to the bouncer. Mm-hmm. And Holmes goes, you don't need my ID. And the bouncer goes, why not? Holmes has zero memory of what I'm about to tell you. And Holmes goes, because my cousin, and then the guy goes, who's your cousin? And he goes, country singer Kenny Chesney. It's not, he's not in no way related to Kenny Chesney. And he goes, so what? And Holmes goes, don't you know his song? And the guy goes, what song? And Holmes goes, my cousin's 21. And the guy fucking let us in the bar. <laughs> That's awesome. So that he, had to, he sang for his supper that night. And those are like, oh man, those are the best fake so many, ID stories. That we I had so many. Of. It was funny drinking with comics. Like uh, CJ and I have talked about this because, like, when you drink with comics, it's totally different because everyone's doing bits, but they're, like they're also <laughs> doing bits while drinking, like just ordering like <laughs> like seventeen shots for a gag. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. And uh, do you remember the? T- were you with us the time Mike Burns got thrown out and then came back? Yes, in yes, wearing a disguise. Okay, so and we we couldn't remember what bar. I think it was on Lincoln oh, Avenue. Oh, it is called uh, Wrigleyville North. Oh, that was at Wrigleyville North? Wrigleyville North. I was just there the other day, man. Oh, uh, wow. The, the setup for this was that the Cardinals had, def- they had just won the World Series. Had won the pennant and were going to be oh, playing yes, that's in right, the World Series. Oh, yes, because Nick Batterot was hammered because yes. the Cardinals. Had, that we remembered. Okay, I didn't remember it was Wrigleyville North. So it was at Wrigleyville North. Burns is like, I have to work in the morning. I'm married. And, and I'm like, no, you're not leaving. And he takes a pint glass and he whips it against the wall. So that way he has to go home. Yeah, he, he he would that would be his move a lot. Like he would like, well, I I can only leave a bar under duress. <laughs> I had to, so I will do I something to, to get myself thrown out. I had to cut this story from the book, uh, but because it's just sad. It's not really. I mean, it's fun. I don't know. <laughs> I I do compare the old style sign outside of it to like a Jolly Roger Jolly Roger flag on a pirate ship, being like, oh yeah, warning, totally. Dude. This is not for novices to come and it in. never had a name like it it it, it, it had no name whatsoever. no one ever knew the name the of it old style sign and it was, this was the other crazy thing people would think this bar was made up i don't know if you remember it was at the corner of sheridan and sheridan because sheridan turns there oh. and it, it, the north south street is sheridan and the east west street is sheridan so you'd be like oh i'm going to this bar what's his name we don't know what intersection is it at sheridan, sheridan and sheridan <laughs> people are like no way flannery this bar doesn't exist and yeah. it was one of those bars you could walk by and you could just miss it, you know, because yes. there was a, a, a successful restaurant next door and you wouldn't even notice this dive bar like that almost seemed to be attached to it. But- so, yeah, it was um, we had gone from High Tops, which Ledley was John Ledley was bartending mm-hmm. person who has not been mentioned yet on this podcast. And then he kind of had a heavy pour on a Thursday night. So we yeah. had just stumbled out of this and we had heard that Brady and Maybe you were there and TJ, like. I loved that bar, so I was probably there. They're doing something called waterfall pitchers. Somebody would drink out of a pitcher while another person would pour the pitcher in. 
It Correct. was the drunkest night <laughs> I ever remember in Chicago. Burns, after he gets kicked out, decides he wants to come back in. And he needs a plan. And so I, rem- with baseball on my brain, I remember that a few years prior, Bobby Valentine, the yeah. manager, had been ejected from a Mets game, came back into the dugout with a mustache. Yeah, he used like pine tar or something to paint a mustache on himself. Yeah. Like eye black or something. Yeah. And so I offered this up to Burns. And Burns takes a trash, it's raining outside, takes a piece of a wet black trash bag outside, sticks it on his face, puts his hoodie up, walks back into the bar. He said that he had mentally pictured. The guy incognito character from The Simpsons where a Homer – like there's a British Homer named Guy Incognito who walks in. And, okay. And or, so Burns goes, I'll have a Jack and Coke, please. <laughs> and I remember specifically the woman goes, ain't you the guy I just kicked I'm, out of here? I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. And he goes, no, I'm like some other dude. <laughs> and she fucking served him. Yeah, I totally remember that. That's that was the night Vatterat went to the hospital and uh, got his neighbors called the called him on the hospital just because they thought he was a homeless man. <laughs> That's how drunk he was. They thought he was a vagrant. Well, in fairness, he was vomiting and bleeding everywhere. Well, <laughs> and the way he looked, I mean, he was kind of a scraggly. Yeah, guy. he was he was drunk enough to get into the the outside door, but too drunk to get past the foyer door. Yeah, and tried to sleep it off like in the atrium there and. <laughs> His neighbors were not having it. Well, that you know, that was Vaderot's fault for. I don't know if you remember that place he used to live at, but he had the worst apartment and another where he's completely upscale affluent building. So he like they were probably like, who is this person? You know, I remember like all hearing these... he lived on Lakeshore Drive after all these stories. Yeah. About like, imagine the saddest place on earth. Now remove the furniture. Yeah, he wouldn't. Uh, let anyone i never saw his place he wouldn't let me see it you know he always told me it was like too small to even have me in as a guest he had tj over and tj told me two stories that i totally believe Mm -hmm. but one was he opened up a closet door accidentally for some reason and out poured like a ton of mountain dew bottles and tj's like what is this and he goes oh yeah i drink mountain dew all the time and so I've been collecting them here. I just thought it would be funny to one time open it up and have them all pour it out on me. <laughs> just a bit for nobody. Yeah. <laughs> from this brilliant mind. And then there's an, he said that in his bathroom, like in the bathtub, there was this in like highlighter pen, this elaborate like structure was written on the wall. And TJ's like, what's that about? And then he's like, oh, I thought of like this other structure for like a long form improv. And it was like twice as complex as like the Herald. It was like Mm -hmm. this thing that while he's like splish splash, I was taking a bath. Like he wrote it. (laughs) Beautiful mind style. I I don't know if this is true or anything. I'm sure it is. I believe it completely. Yeah. Were you crazy? Do you remember going to Nick's Uptown or anything that night? Because my memory stops. And I don't know if that means I don't know if I do or not. Um, I remember. I I think I might have headed because I lived right by Wrigleyville North. I don't know if I went home, although that doesn't sound like me back then. Um, But I so I don't know if I went and I don't have any memory or I wasn't there. 
because that's when uh nick ran into the garbage can i think well, and that's he, how he cut himself all up and then i think they wouldn't serve him at nick's because he was bleeding <laughs> he tried to jump so outside <laughs> he like, of, tried to hurdle a garbage can or was, something like okay, that didn't so he at uh high tops they have these outdoor kind of f- short fences for the outdoor seating and nick, <laughs> nick was like oh well, that looks like a hurdle to me yeah and so he took off running <laughs> <laughs> and he got over it, but he hooked both of his toes on it and he face planted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the most separate story that I kind of thought of, one of the most Chicago things I've ever overheard is uh, uh, Matt, um, you always like you, you have a couple of these in your act, too. They were always so funny, like just random Chicagoans that have persisted in your memory, like anonymous Chicagoans. But uh, um, I was writing actually at a bar and I'm like, you know, I'm just looking at my computer and I hear like this was at the 710 lounge. I'm like waiting for CJ and I hear like the ding dong, like customer enter and like he walks up to the bar. And uh, he had like that, you know, how like sometimes when you're really drunk, a lot of people will use like that artificial voice, like to try and sound more. So like they're almost 100%. trying to like sound like Shakespearean or something like, yeah. like well, hello, good sir. Uh, weary traveler here. Uh you said in your thing like uh we we're not drunk is like the always like the telltale also oh yeah i'm not, not drunk at all uh just require a beverage <laughs> and i i just hear the bouncer like let out this long sigh he goes i don't know buddy goes, <laughs> do you even have id and he, he must have like produced id because then i hear the bartender i haven't looked up yet and then i hear the bartender go he goes i still gotta say no <laughs> He goes, may I ask why? And he goes, yeah, you're bleeding <laughs> awfully bad. And I look up and I'm thinking like, he's got like a little cut on his forehead or something. This dude looked like he was just thrown through a window. Like it was like, like almost gushing out. And I'm like, this is the only city in the world where a bartender would even let him get up to the bar. <laughs> and like, like, well, hold on, let's ask for ID. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to jump to any rash conclusions. Like the guy considered serving him for a little bit. That's amazing. I think that I think that this is your calling now to be the compiler uh, and the arbiter. I think you're right. The gatekeeper of these stories. If if you're the best, like if everyone agrees, you have the best drinking stories, and people and like you do the blackout diaries. Who better than you to be the right. person to? I have a thousand like overheard at a bar things or overheard oh, in a I line. Love those to, my favorite one. I can't figure out what to do with it is this guy turns to, I think about this all of the time, maybe once every week, I think of this in mm-hmm. the morning, he just goes, you know how when you wake up, your face be all big? That's it. I guess he means puffy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like you slept on your face. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I was just thinking, I, I yeah. didn't, I didn't interrupt the story. I was just thinking, yeah, I do know that one. Yeah. yeah I love overhearing that. Actually, this is a new one that I, I just saw last week at jewel like the jewel by my day job is like kind of fancy they have like a bar inside it <laughs> so you can get like a pint while you're shopping and so on sure. and uh, this like dude is like screaming at the manager and i don't hear exactly what he says but then i'm getting a little closer and i hear the manager reply she goes uh i'm sorry sir but due to post-covid labor shortages <laughs> we can't open up our bar until 11 a.m and then he <laughs> gets like in her face and goes this is why everyone's leaving this fucking city <laughs> oh my god i love chicago oh this guy's losing his stack over the fact that his grocery store 
this bar doesn't open up at 10 a.m. Didn't you make drinking like essential workers or something that other places? Oh, yeah. The, that, that's a great story. Lightfoot administration says we're shutting down everything um, except for like essential businesses, grocery stores and so on. And in the initial press release, liquor stores wasn't included, even though it was supposed to be. And like she immediately like, listen, we fired that person. I want to assure everyone liquor stores are going to stay open. I, I know nothing will assure me that I'm a one term mayor more than <laughs> shutting down liquor stores. <laughs> yeah, it was part of our essential businesses. In your book, uh, the, I wanted to make sure I asked you this. The term jackass, what, is this, what does this word mean to you? The term jackass to me is just like a, kind of like a, a reckless idiot who hasn't thought things through. I've never I feel like I've never heard you say the word, but like it, it is always it seems to be like your word of choice for like bad behavior. Yeah, it is. Like my dad always used that word and it's just like kind of a common word where I grew up like look at this jackass, you know. Like <laughs> and it just like just like the judgment, you know. It, it's always said from a, a like a point of condescension, like can you believe this jackass over here, you know? Yeah, the way that you say it is so there's so much stank on it the way you say it. Yeah, that's my dad. My dad is so my dad's like one of those people who's like super funny on accident like he's not even trying to be funny and yeah. everyone in the in the room is just on the floor laughing just like he talks really distinctly he, he talks like an exaggerated version of me really know? yeah it's pretty like when all my brothers and i and my dad all talk exactly the same so it's weird people get weirded out when they meet them you know and it's like you know four of us you know all talking like this and they're all real loud too i think i've, I've always asked people like right when we were doing that chuck anniversary show I, I was asking people like they're like, what is the quintessential so-and-so bit? What is the, and yeah. and I would ask all of like these people, like, like, what's the Flannery bit that first pops into your head and people would go tackle bell. And so that was, <laughs> that's what I'm picturing your dad. That's saying. a chapter. Yeah. <laughs> He's in that chapter too. Tackle bell or no, it was print it. Print it was what they said for you, but well, like, that was an old school one. They've known me for a long time. <laughs> if they, uh, I haven't done that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was an early bit for my I was by the way, I was asked to submit photos and I this is one that I can't I don't have a scanner, but this is the last night. Oh, of the lodge of, yeah. the, of the den uh, or the den. Excuse me. Yeah, these were the um, the new comics who were doing edge shows at that time. That was like uh, the new this. Is, these were the good new comedians. That's according a fun to, group, man. Yeah, <laughs> I can't tell uh, with the reflection. I couldn't tell who was furthest oh. on the left there. That would be me, you, Burns, Holmes, and Jared. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's great. I had to get glossy finish on this in 2004, I guess. But uh, nice. Um, that was fun, dude. Will you tell? I'm. I haven't made you tell. Well, I have made you tell some of these. The one that I repeat the most because I feel like it is like it's almost like the most currently relevant. But it's also just like one of those like what like and people remember it type stories is the Social Security office by the Green Mill. Yes. And when I changed my name. Yes. Yeah. So my legal name is Sean Bear Flannery. That's what I released the book as. Um, so I'm starting to introduce myself as on stage when I remember. But I still um, I still dead name you. <laughs> I um. You know, my real like my birth name is Sean Flannery. And when my wife and I got married, she added my name to hers. So I was like, well, I'll add mine or yours to mine, too. You know, like that's the fair way to do it. 
But this is, I mean, we've been married for 15 years and at least back then, I don't know if this is still true. It was not nearly as easy for a man to add his wife's name as it is for the opposite. Like she just went down to the social security office. She had a marriage certificate and her driver's license and they just did it. Like she was out in like 10 minutes. Yeah. So I went there with the same. I'm like, oh, the green mills right there. I'll have a couple beers, go change my name, come back, maybe open up a tab under a new name, you know, like a new person. Um, but it was a lot more complicated. And um, and they're like, we can't do this. And I was like, what do you mean? Like we, you know, my wife did it with just a license and a, we- uh, a wedding certificate. They're like, oh, well, it's not the same for men. You know, like men don't do this and we don't have a mechanism for this. And she told me, that it would be treated like when dudes change their names because they hate their previous identity. And what you have to do then is they were telling me I would have to take out an ad in like the Chicago Tribune in some newspaper announcing my plan to change a name. I would have to put, I would have to put, uh, they told me I would have to put like flyers on the telephone poles in my neighborhood announcing I have to change my name. And then I have to go to a judge who has to do a ruling on whether I'm changing it for the right reasons and whether this new name is legally permissible. And I'm like, you know, I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, well, what happens? Like, what do you do? I'm like, this can't be true. Like this, this can't be the only time you've ever had this. And you know, hundred, I'm like, what happens when rich people, when rich dudes marry into like the Hearst or the Rockefellers here, what do you do? And I remember her pointing to you. She goes, look right outside. And I look outside and there's a dude who's missing one leg drinking a 40. <laughs> And she goes, this is a Chicago, this is the Lawrence Avenue Social Security office. We don't get Rockefellers here. You know? <laughs> but there was this other lady who's like, you know what we could do is in Illinois, she said back then, again, don't know if it's still true, that you, you were allowed to have uh, two sex changes a year. <laughs> and you could change your name as part of Why? a sex change. Why that number? I don't know. I don't know if if it was written by people who thought they're going to change their mind oh, and they okay. want to change it back. It. I don't like, so I don't know what the reasoning was, but she's like, so what we can do is we can change you into a woman on, she kept going on paper, <laughs> you know, like to assure me there was no operating table or anything. And she's like, we'll change you into a woman on paper and then you'll change your name. And then we'll just immediately change you back to a man and you'll change it to what you really want. So you'll have like a temporary name and then you'll be Sean Bear Flannery, which is the name you want. And you'll be back to a man. And she's like, she it like, it hits her how crazy this is. And she's telling me it. And she goes like, is that again? She's like, ah, do you want to do that? And I'm like, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> like, this will be the greatest story. If I'm a woman on paper for 10 seconds in Illinois, like that'll be like the greatest argument trump card i can you know like yeah, when people yeah. are like do you find this offensive i'm like well as somebody who was a woman and for 10 seconds in illinois yes i find it offensive that's great but um yeah the manager came in he did something i don't know what he did he had me sign a bunch of forms i left he said it was sean bear flannery and all i know is whatever he did it was he did something but like i like always have problems with the irs now um like whenever I have to go to a website, like a government website that looks me up by name, they can never find me as Sean Bear Flannery or Sean Flannery, you know, like, um, but you, you know what I will say, the Biden administration, when we got those checks um, yeah. for uh, COVID, um, I was Sean Bear Flannery 
on that check. It's the first time I've seen a federal document that had my my real name. So, well, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, there we are. Again, <laughs> things done. I take back all those things I've been saying about how he looks like a dead man. <laughs> I want to do a uh, a speed round with you. Uh, first yeah, of all, let's do a speed round. Then I probably got to put the kids to bed. Sure. So, drinking partner, ideal, someone that you have drank with, uh, that's living that you could that you like your favorite person to drink with, and then historical person that you would love to drink with. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. That's a good uh, question. Um, favorite person to drink with? I, I mean, CJ and I had years of fun drinking stories. He's now sober, so I don't know if I can answer him because I don't want to throw him under the bus. <laughs> but uh, we had a blast drinking for years, and I'm very happy for him yeah. uh, that he's doing well sober. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Like right now, I've been um, – having a blast drinking with uh, my editor, Adam Burke, you know, like it was a lot of fun to work on this book together. Uh, you know, we would get together, have drinks and um, he's, he's fun. We, we've talked about launching a podcast together, which is our version. He likes my rule that you can't use Google during bar arguments and you have to try to like win an argument, like off your own memories of high school history and, ge sure. and geography sure. and so on. So we have a lot of fun with that, that uh, he's, he wants to like start as a podcast. Oh, I would love that. Okay. Yeah. Like a different ungoogleable argument. You know what I recently, did you, so you, yeah, you are a great store of trivia. It's like, so you probably know that the Guinness book of trivia or world records is owned, but it was created by the Guinness beer company. Yes like to settle bar debates. Yes. But this is what's even funnier. Do you know what, what happened? That project was proposed when they would have a yearly. So this is like at the turn of the 20th century, they would have like a yearly sales meeting in like the uh, mountains of Ireland where they would talk strategy. And I guess they were skeet shooting and the one had a sales missed and they got into an argument about what the fastest bird is that totally derailed the whole weekend. <laughs> they just got in drunk fights. So they came up with this idea after their sales meeting, their whole convention was ruined by a drunk argument. It makes, I mean, it's one of those Guinness book and the Michelin guide are the two things that everybody yeah. thinks are different companies. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. Like the, wasn't that like their, their salespeople were traveling around France and just wanted to know yeah. like where good restaurants yeah, were. Yeah. Well, who are these tires for rich people with cars? Like, yeah. You know, so like, where do we go when we're, is this place worth the travel? You know, like it's hilarious. And do you, like, I just, I wonder, I mean, the Michelin restaurant system has to be spun off and sold to a separate entity. Right. Or I wonder if it's still like under like the ages of Michelin tire. And I you mean, just maybe somebody took it over, but it has its own. It has its own Instagram page. So, we're okay. gonna, I mean, somebody I mean, the head of I, I would just love that. Like, you I don't know, think the guy the in charge chart. of tires is like needs, <laughs> needs more salt. <laughs> Like I probably not. <laughs> All right. Um, so historical. Wow. Uh, well, you know, as a Catholic, you always want to say Jesus Christ. You sure, know, he sure, has, sure. Plus, he turns water into. I, I think people underestimate how big of a part alcohol is of the Bible. I mean, his first miracle is turning water into wine, and his last miracle is has to do with wine as well. At the last, well, other than you know, 
uh, defeating death. But um, ascending, so he, in, ascending into heaven, I would say. Yeah, you. he would be up there. Who else? Uh, um, you know who sounds hilarious that I'd love to have drinks with would be Oscar Wilde. Like he sounds like like just like super witty and and funny. And I'll bet you like he'd be a great time. Oh my god! Yeah, a gay Irish wit like. <laughs> <laughs> probably amazing that would be a lit yeah i would love that yeah okay greatest bar in chicago greatest bar you've ever been to oh okay well i'm gonna they're both in chicago so greatest bar in chicago i gotta answer galway bay galway my favorite bay. bar yeah it's where my wife and i um went on our first date i know the owners it's like the unofficial bar of chicago comedy it's where the stand-ups hang out Everyone who works there is like a total character. It's hilarious. So Galway Bay is my favorite bar uh, of all time, though. There used to be this bar. Now, this was a bar that truly had no name because a truck ran over the name and they did not have enough money to fix it. This was in Chinatown. I heard that the last known name of this place was called Ethel's Party, and it was in a former funeral home. It was a totally illegal bar. Um, like beer would be a different price every round you went, like men would be wrestling on the floor, but it was weird. Cause it was in the border of Chinatown and Bridgeport. And it was like this weird mixture of like Asian, black, Italian, and Irish customers, like all just arguing constantly. <laughs> and Adam Crocious actually saved us. I I'd like, sometimes I wondered if it was a mobbed up place that wasn't really a bar. Like he saved us from getting uh, shaken down there one time. Crocious where we day. yeah we go up and we order a round of beers and we sit down and this day like we're like the only ones in there other than staff and i sit down i mean do you remember matthew bible this yes. guy yes, crazy yes, yes. guy used to drink with, yeah so it's me matthew bible adam crocious and um i think maybe cj and um the dude so it was a small bartender and she takes our money and gives us our change and then this like enormous dude who was talking to her from behind the bar comes up and he's like, Oh, Hey boys. Um, gonna need that, um, hundred back, you know, uh, it's like Tracy accidentally gave you, uh, she changed it. Like, um, you know, you gave her a hundred dollars instead of 20. So you owe us a hundred bucks. And like, and he's like getting real close to us. And we're like, fuck, you know, he's, basically just telling us he's going to take a hundred bucks from us, you know, yeah. and crow can't read the situation at all. And, you know, and I'm like, ah, you know, like I'm trying to like kind of deny it. And so on, and, you know, he's like, Nope, you owe us a hundred bucks. You know, I want a hundred bucks, you know, and uh, crow can't read the room. And he's just, he's watching woman's tennis. <laughs> he goes, uh, incorrect. Uh, I actually gave $5 to that round. I rarely pay for beer. Uh, I can give you the serial numbers. <laughs> On, on the fives that each person gave and like the dude just starts laughing kind of like to your point about like yeah. just cracking people up like yeah kinda, people can do a 180 and I, this guy went from i'm gonna go i'm out of money so i'm just gonna beat these fuckers up if they don't give me a 100 bucks to laughing and just going and sitting back down well it's that's one of the greatest stories i've ever heard and because people wanted to punch you until crocious spoke <laughs> one of the only situations i've heard where someone's like i hated crow's you mouth until got us crow out of trouble crow's mouth got us out of trouble 
Uh, greatest drinking city in the world. Oh, um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with America because I'm a patriot and uh, that's yeah. what I know best. Hell it is yeah. a toss up, in my opinion. I will confess, I have never been to New Orleans, but um, I still don't think I would put it on top of either of these two cities, which would be Milwaukee or Buffalo. I'm gonna go with Buffalo because it stays open later. But both of them are crazy drinking states. Like, this is the thing about New Orleans. Anyone can drink hard when you're near the equator. But, like, to drink the way they drink in Buffalo and Milwaukee and to be, like, major commerce, like, industrial centers. Well, not that New Orleans isn't. But, um, yeah, I love both those cities. You know, Buffalo has 4 a.m. bars. It's, like, probably the smallest city I've been to that has 4 a.m. bars. Wow. Shout out Buffalo resident Christy Mangel, who listens to this podcast. No, all right. Uh, if you're sitting down at a bar, best mixologist in the world in front of you. Okay. Drinks around the house. What's your mixed drink that you're of choice that you're getting? Well, you know, my favorite drink is a Negroni, so I'm going to start there. That um, was real, the thing about you ordering another Negroni. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I love Negronis, man. <laughs> um. So I'm going to order a Negroni. I'd probably order a whiskey sour because I like those, but I can't make them that well um and i love a good old-fashioned with an egg white whiskey sour like a traditionally made uh whiskey sour probably a martini just because um when they're really really well made i love a martini and a manhattan those will be the i'll at least do those four and then i'm i'm a big believer in dealer's choice too and then i'd be like okay well what 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 do you really like to make what should i try uh, that you say, and then I would have probably two of those, and then we'd probably repeat. <laughs> beer of choice. Beer of choice. Lately, you know, man, I've been trying to drink less and less beer as I get older. It just I put on weight, but um, it's either I always like Guinness just because like it's low alcohol content. It tastes good. Um, there are no alcohol Guinness is amazing. Yeah, it's good. I've had it. It's a little bit sweeter, I feel, yeah, but it's yeah. good. It's a yeah, little bit it, it more is... like grape juice in a weird way, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, um, it is very good. Um, Guinness is probably the only one that stays with me like year to year. You know, I'm very cyclical with beers. Yeah. Like right now, I'm liking like really hoppy IPAs. Like uh, last winter, for the first time ever, I was drinking tons of Christmas ales. Like I never really liked Christmas ales, but I, I was drinking a lot last winter. Like I'm always like changing my taste in sure, beer so like sure. guinness is kind of like the one constant there is this one ipa out of cleveland that i've always loved though called headhunter ipa by fathead Brewery. oh yeah and i love that thing yeah you ever had a racer that'll fucking destroy you <laughs> yeah yeah i like that as well now there's two things that in chicago that i feel like i missed i missed galway bay i've been to galway bay i've watched the super bowl at galway bay i've met nolan that yeah. none of that shit existed in my world while I lived there. That in Malort, Correct. no one believes me. I lived in I lived in Chicago, two thousand four, two two thousand three, two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven. No one said the word Malort one time until your goddamn show came along, and <laughs> Sam Meckling. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, Chicago, Malort. And it's like. Yeah, it's it's Sam. Mac- I attribute it 100% to Sam Meckling, you know, because um, he made a huge online. You know, our show has helped a lot. You know, we 
we're heavily involved with Malore. We give it to the audience on Fridays. Our show's been running for 10 years. So like, you know, when you times that by, you know, we probably average 70 people a week, you know, that's a lot of Malore, you know, uh, disciples you're sending out there. But it was really Sam. Have you ever heard the story about how he got that job? No. That's a great story. So Sam Meckling, Sam was an early part of, I, I run a Friday show called The Blackout Diaries. It's now launched as a podcast. So if you're listening, check out The Blackout Diaries podcast. But Sam was an early kind of like um, participant in the show. And he would do a segment. We would give the audience all a taste of Malort. And whoever could describe the taste best, we would give a free t-shirt to. And Sam was the brand manager for Malort. And the way he got that job is he created, Malort wasn't on Twitter. This is like probably, well, this was about 11 years ago. So uh, like around 2000, around 2010 or so. Um, Malort wasn't on Twitter. So he created a Malort Twitter handle and it was supposed to be like a parody one where he would just do like these brutally honest tweets like Malort, tonight's the night you fight dad. (laughs) Malort, like these pants won't shit themselves, you know, just like a bunch of funny things like that. And he gets eventually he starts selling Malort merch because the it gets up to like 5000 followers, which was a lot back then. Right, you know, right. and um, he's selling merch and then he gets a cease and desist order and he meets uh, the widow, uh, the owner of Jefferson's Malort, Carl Jefferson's uh, wife. I can't remember her name. She's like in her 80s and her lawyer. They meet at Galway Bay, actually. So they're, they're, there's a table there and Sam does a sales pitch. He's like, look, you guys. I'm selling n number of these shirts. I'm willing to give you whatever percentage you think is fair. Like this is a market you guys aren't in. You should be in it. Like people find this funny. Like the sales are off the charts. I've set aside money. I haven't spent any of it yet because I assumed you would be coming. Like I'll cast, you know, hire me and we'll sell it at whatever figure you want. And she's like, okay, I want to talk to my lawyer. And she comes back and offers them a job, you know. And then I guess she leaves and I guess the lawyer turns to Sam and he goes, this is not how these things usually go. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I've been doing this a long time. And the, usually when I show up in corporate law, you know, copyright law, we don't hire a person that I'm about to like take to court. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Sam's a, he's done the blackout. He's man. If I ever did do that book on like drinking anthology stories, he, he would be a part of that. You get Malort involved in it and you, yeah, this thing, these things write them. Okay. What's the best, finally, what's the best, um, Malort tagline that you've heard at the, when I was there, the best I've heard from an actual audience member that, so a lot of times, like they'll repeat ones that they've read online, whether they know it or not, that Uh, like they kind of, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to call it plagiarism, but they, I know they didn't actually write that. But the best one I've heard from an actual audience member is Malort tastes like an episode of Hoarders. <laughs> the best one I've heard, period, which Sam Meckling wrote, is Malort <laughs> tastes like driving through Indiana, Gary, Indiana, in a convertible with your mouth open. <laughs> when I was there, the one that popped the room was Malort, sometimes I think we deserved 9-11. <laughs> yeah, that's another Sam McLean one. Their actual slogan that he wrote, which is great too, is Malort, when you need to unfriend someone in person. 
Where can people find this book if they want to buy it? SeanBearFlannery.com uh, is the only place you can find it right now. Um, there's links to buy the digital, uh, the audio version, or the print version. I am trying to get the print version on Amazon. I'm doing a little, need to do a little bit more work on that, but hopefully that'll be out soon on Amazon as well. But for now, you can get it all at SeanBearFlannery.com. It's ma- reading it is a pleasure. But talking to you now, I'm realizing that I really would have had more enjoyment with the audio. I don't know. I I wrote it to be read. Okay. And and on the audio book, I'm just transcribing the book. Like, I'm not telling the stories the same way I would tell them to you right now. So I don't know if I agree with that. I think the better way to go is either to read it digitally or read it in paperback. I'm I'm enjoying the shit out of it. uh, You're doing it the right way, buddy. There you go. Yeah, that is Sean Bear Flannery. I will tag him on Twitter and Instagram. If you don't follow him, give him a follow on social media and buy the book. I hope I've piqued your interest. Buy the book. Get in the habit of buying books. Just in case somebody that you know starts begging you to buy their book in like six months or so, let's say. Also, they say that word of mouth is the best form of advertising. I don't know if that's true. But if you like this show at all... If you like it a little bit, tell two people. Then they might tell two people and so forth and so on. And then I can become a big, fancy, famous boy and come to your town with my little podcast. Thank you so much for listening. R.I.P. Michael Clark. Life.